Hey there, it's Ron. We have one more show in August, and it's going to be a great one. Join us in Denver on Wednesday, August 16th for a live show featuring Stephen Brackett from the Flowbots, Miriam Suzanne from Teacup Gorilla, actor Jim Hunt, special appearance by our San Diego co-host Robert Rutherford, and more. The theme will be crossing over. We will see you there. Next storyteller. All right, next storyteller. Next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from Ed Ward, who has been sharing stories with the Narrators since the very beginning. Ed is the host of Stories, Stories, Bring Us Your Stories, one of Denver's longest-running storytelling shows. This story was recorded live on July 19th, 2017 at Bumpboard Theater in Denver, Colorado. The theme of the evening was bars. Good evening, everyone. Uh, this story, uh, stretching the concept of bars, just get this out of the way. Uh, it's about, it winds up in the Café Wa, which was actually, they didn't serve alcohol. But it was a bar in New York City in... Uh, a long time ago, 51 years ago. Anyway, this is called The Mix of Physics, Alcohol, Gambling, Jimi Hendrix, Bob Dylan, and Sex. These things don't necessarily add up to lost virginity. Okay. A little more than 50 years ago, 51 to be exact, in the summer of 1966, I was working for the Atomic Energy Commission in an unpublicized basement laboratory of the Customs Building on Houston Street in Manhattan. Drexel University had uh, arranged the uh, paid internship, as I was at the time, majoring in physics at Drexel. The six-month commitment involved intellectual and spiritual challenges. I mean, there was a fucking war going on in Vietnam, and I was working for the government responsible for that war. There was also petty conflict. My three math major roommates and I couldn't really come up with a satisfactory formula for a division of labor, for sharing our one-bedroom apartment in Queens. Add to this the uneasy euphoria of living away from my inner-city row home and mother in Philadelphia for the first time in a place where the drinking age was 18. Throw a wonderful young woman of a girlfriend who was very much in love with me into the mix, and I was overwhelmed with prospects and commitments and confusion. Did I mention I was Catholic? <laughs> At the time of my internship, I paid more attention to Bob Dylan than I did to my studies, my work at the Atomic Energy Commission, and my faith, or lack of. Bobby D. truly seemed to be the prime mover in changing my world. He had been responsible for bringing white America, people like myself, who grew up in uber-segregated, overly racist Philadelphia, into the civil rights movement and he sang a language that could be employed to protest injustice in America. Two years earlier at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech was preceded by Bob Dylan singing Blowing in the Wind and Only a Pawn in Their Game. Whereas I had memorized all the words to every Dylan song released at the time, I could not recite other than E equals MC squared any of the differential equations and quantum theorems necessary to express an understanding of modern physics. I originally had chosen physics as my major because I wanted to rock the world as I believed Einstein had. I sought someday to shed new light on the nature of things and the nature of people 
and change understandings of how the world works. Also, practically speaking, what better way to wow the women of my dreams is there than Einsteining them? <clears throat> I'm majoring in physics. Had the kind of cachet that I believe got a girl's attention. That's how I met Anne at a college mixer in the spring of 1966. Now, Anne was a bright-eyed blonde who went after what she wanted with a fierceness that was beyond the norms of 1966. And she wanted me. She'd do most anything to be with me. She'd lie to her mother and father, climb out her bedroom window to rendezvous with me at 2 o'clock in the morning after her protective parents went to sleep. She stole cartons of cool cigarettes for me from the mom-and-pop store where she worked part-time. She cut classes at Beaver College to play that new thing called Frisbee when I was out of, when I was out of class. And she had friends lie to cover for her when she came for the weekend to visit me in New York. Put crudely yet succinctly, Anne had more balls than the entire rugby team at Drexel. Now, as I shuffled through my days at the Atomic Energy Commission, measuring particulate matter in the air and ventilation systems pre and post filtration, something as inspiring as the office politics that surrounded me, I knew already I was on my way to the underground, where there was, as Dylan said, darkness at the break of noon, where there was poetry, not physics, where there was love, not war, where there was art, not religion, where there was risk, not steady unemployment. And, or what she represented, meant more than cold fusion. Love meant more than a new unified theory of the universe. Now, at the time, my sister Carol worked for the Pennsylvania Railroad as a key punch operator. Not the greatest of jobs, but one that came with passes for all family members to ride the Pennsylvania Railroad. Hence, I could ride for free from Philly to New York and vice versa. Most weekends, for reasons of economy, I went home. I needed to save as much money as possible from my job in order to pay my tuition, as my family had not the means to do so. I kid you not when I say my family was never more than a dollar or two ahead. On Fridays during the 90-minute train ride from Grand Central to Philly, I usually paid, played pinochle for money with a bunch of older men. Initially, they took me for a novice card player who they hoped to fleece, but a novice I was not. I'd been playing pinochle with my family since I was seven years old. My parents and sisters and I played for pennies, and the focus as a family that playing cards allows, whereas the guys on the train played for big bucks and the braggadocio that playing cards allowed. We snarked, broke balls, bragged, and snide common in our way the entire train ride as we shuffled, cut, dealt, bid, played, and wooed the three-card kitty. The patter of card-playing Philadelphia wise guys belongs to a universe where Robert's rules of order don't apply. And feeling like one of the older men, counting cards, counting Trump, counting losers, counting suits, counting coup, gambling and winning money, bragging about Irish luck, playing the card skills I'd learned from my mother, was way more rewarding than the prestige of my Atomic Energy Commission credentials. Fortunately, where was the time I didn't arrive in Northeast Philly without having doubled or tripled in an hour and a half the pay I'd receive for working 40 hours at the Atomic Energy Commission, thereby learning early that there are ways outside the norm to make a buck. I had January's tuition in the bank by October. 
Punching a time clock was not nearly as thrilling as making a 40 hand against all odds in spades. And that was a sort of equation I took to heart. Now, as I said, Dylan was the hat I wore, although I did have hair like Einstein at the time. Thus, when Anne came to stay with me for an overnight in July of 1966, after rendezvousing at Grand Central, we chased after music and poetry, not science, and drinking half of the bottle of wine that I had concealed in a paper bag. After doing that, we went in search of the ghost of Bob Dylan to Greenwich Village on a hot summer Saturday night and paid two $8 covers to enter the Café Wa, where a Coke was another $8 and where a skinny 24-year-old black kid with hair curlier than mine, wearing blue denim bibbed overalls, sat in a corner with a pair of guitars, a microphone, an amplifier, and a reel-to-reel. -reel. He exhorted the audience, mostly suburban kids from Jersey, to get enthusiastic because a demo was going to be recorded this night and crowd appreciation would go a long way to his getting, as he said, that contract in the sky. I had been expecting an acoustic Dylan-esque folk scene, as I knew that Dylan had played his very first gig in New York City in this very room four years earlier in 1962. But what ensued was nothing like I had ever heard. The guitar playing was ear-dazzling and driven and mad and improvisational and outrageous, while the singing was sensual and intimate. Crazy, wild, psychedelic, sexy, furious, is what Ann said. I was too blown away for words. The guitar player's name scribed in gold across his black guitar case was spelled strangely, J-I-M-I. Now, after the show, Ann and I returned to my place in Queens. It being a weekend, my roommates were not around as they regularly went home to their parents in Jersey and Maryland and Pennsylvania, meaning Ann and I would have the pad to ourselves. And we would probably get around to the elephant in the room of our relationship our virginity. Of course, we were not virgins when it came to orgasms, but sex, as in copulation, was just something that we had not had the opportunity to partake of. In cars, in movie theaters, and on blankets at the beach, these are not places where full nudity and penetration are going to happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, things didn't work out as dreamed. When we climbed into bed a wee bit tipsy from having finished the wine, Dizzy with Hendrix sounding in our heads, enthusiastic and shy with the puppy love that we owned, inexperienced with nudity and flesh against flesh. It so happened that when we began to embrace skin to skin and kiss, I had the most monstrous erection I would ever have. And when Anne took me in her hands, I had the most monstrous ejaculation I would ever have. Embarrassed by my inability to control myself and by the amount of fluid that seemed to come from me and cover Anne's stomach and thighs, my ego was tattered and my manhood so spent that there was no way on earth I would be able to penetrate her safely, if at all. And thus I resorted to something I had only fantasized about. And the cunning linguist within orchestrated an intense climax for Anne. Spent and satisfied, however awkward our technique, we felt bliss. And upon reflection, blessed in a strange 1960s parochial Catholic sort of way. The silver lining amidst the cloud of our bungled first time 
was that we were able to bring virginity to the people we would soon meet and marry. To this day, I can still see Jimmy in his overalls, playing guitar strings with his teeth and with the brass buttons of his jeans. And I can envision Anne in her birthday suit, so beautiful, so willing, so loving. Sadly, not long after this Jimi Hendrix, not five feet away from me, Cafe Wall Saturday night experience 51 years ago, Anne and I broke up for no good reason. Puppy love is, after all, only puppy love, no matter how pure and intense. And because I do believe, as Dylan says, taking what you have gathered from coincidence, it must be noted that some 51 years after I heard, really heard music for the first time in my life, after not losing my virginity and not getting Anne pregnant as most likely would have happened, a grandson was born to me whose name is Jonah Hendricks. Thank you. That's Ed Ward, everybody. Ed, you made me blush. The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, and for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening.